Welcome to What's in the Box, the show about films, pop culture, and literally nothing else. Will is back. Just got it. It's from Seven, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. Well, not wait. Is it just from Seven? No, because what about Pulp Fiction, mate? What is in that box? Uh, if you've already listened to our previous shows, then welcome back to our new listeners. Welcome. What took you so long? We're not angry. We're just deeply disappointed in you. Not in a bad way. More like the way you felt after watching Ghostbusters 2 for the first time. Does anyone remember watching Ghostbusters 2 for the first time feeling, yeah, he's with me? Yeah? Say yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but there's other people here, aren't there? Will's back. Hello, Will. The commute is killing me. Hello. Tristan. Hello. Yeah, what are we talking about today, Tristan? Today we're discussing two films back to back. We're going to be talking about the 1980s classic Escape from New York. What a movie. And the 2000s not so classic, more obscure Tigerland. What a movie. I enjoyed that way more than I thought I would. Oh, we're up to it. No, I want to go first. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. I'm in. What are we going to talk about first? Which one? No, go with it. You're in. You're in. You're in. I want to talk about Escape from New York first because it's incredible. No, we should talk about Tigerland first, shouldn't we? Well, okay, so um, my first impressions of it were... Overall, I liked it. Will? I Well, okay, my first impressions were, of course, the trailer, which I don't think did it any favours whatsoever. Right, this film... I know, right? (laughs) This film, for me, it's impossible to get people to watch for some reason. The fucking trailer. Well, one, and one of them is the trailer because when I saw that, because obviously I had to, I was wanted to see what you were going to watch, both of you, and I was like, this was the, tra- the, the you know, when you're like, oh, bit of inspirational guitar, I was like, this is doesn't represent this film in <laughs> any way. Yeah. So this was shot for ten million US and grossed less than a hundred thousand. And opened on five screens in the US, apparently. Oh, and I think that's a travesty for a film that is this good. Um, 100,000? Yeah. In its opening weekend? Just generally. So that, well, that this, it's a It's a making it a massive flop, which is obviously which well, is a travesty. Well, I wonder if something to do with the content as well, this whole idea of people ain't going to go watch an army film and be inspired. I mean, a lot of people like army films because they like army shit. They like... And maybe a bit of chest beating, a bit of flag waving, you know, and this is will not be. I don't think anyone's going to have got past that trailer. I think also at the time it had nobody because Colin Farrell was nobody at this point. And this is a great performance from him. Like for me, this is back when he was hungry as well. So yeah. this is, you know, like you McGregor went through the phase as well of being absolutely yeah. fucking starving for it. And now yeah. sort of no longer yeah. you don't get he's still good, but you don't get the same kind of performance from him that you yeah, used to in the days that's, of train that's spotting that's youth and age though I mean how many how many bands you know who are raw and yeah. fiery when they're younger and they find it really difficult as they get older and they get more shit they like and it's harder to remain raw and hungry but well, there's still same with directors as well you know we talk about like Spielberg and losing that edge I mean I used to do like horror films same with Lucas as well now you know sort of, sort of whatever pretty bland um, but yeah, directors lose their edge, artists lose their edge. I disagree. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously that does happen. But then you've got to look at people. Like we were talking about Anthony Hopkins earlier, who like is fucking million years old. He's not a million years old, but do you know what I mean? There's never given. I don't think he's ever given a bad performance. I think he's been. But he's done a lot. I think of shit, he's been though. in some terrible stuff. But I think he's never been bad yeah, in it. But, but he has, though, hasn't he? But no, I disagree. Yeah, he like, has phoned in a lot. I've never seen him be bad. 
Um, well, not necessarily bad. bad but, but you can just tell me just maybe can't be bothered as much. And then yeah. when you see something like your Westworlds, or I watched a really random one the other day called, I think it was The Edge that he did with Alec yeah. Baldwin. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was David like, Mamet. Ah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. That was, and that was a wonderful find that I'd never known about. So um, I've completely lost my train of thought. We were talking about when you want it, when, when you're hungry it. at age. So you think it's just, just more, eaten, think so. that's more of a youth, you think that's more of a youth thing than anything else? I think it's easier. Yeah, okay, that younger. I would agree with. Um, you have, you'll have some performers who will keep raging and on and through and keep going and going and going, but a lot of that is just mental illness. That sounded quite sexual. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> one, question, uh, one question I did want to ask you guys, depending on how you actually saw the film, I've noticed that it hasn't translated well onto any kind of streaming platform because this was shot on 16 mil. Yeah, and I it's, thought that was a filter. No, right. So this is shot on 16 mil. It's extremely heavy, sort of sexy grain. Yeah. Uh, the shutter speed is through the roof, so the image kind of traces quite a lot. And I don't think that actually comes across on anything other than DVD or sort of Blu-ray. I, I had a real problem with uh, the choice of shots on this. I found it, again, it, it was probably a genuine attempt to make me feel a little bit uncomfortable, pull me a little bit out of it, you know, put me in the mindset of what guys who are just about to go to Vietnam must be ex experiencing. So there's a lot of, I'm assuming, what do you mean, kind of handheld? Yeah, this is and, the handheld wet dream. And it yeah. just got to me. There was some really good, I mean, I enjoyed it, but there's some really good scenes. Um, there was a great one with, with the young lad who was playing the, um, the, the I'm just going to call him Moon Guy. He has that wonderful little scene where he's talking about the moon. Yeah. And how he's... Campwell. Yeah, and that was, moon's shining down on his... I was going to call that out as a, as, a, as a scene that you love. I actually prefer I prefer um, Connick Lofton Jr.'s one where he's talking about his wife and she's been seeing some college yeah, guys. Yeah. Um, but this is like just because obviously nobody's going to have seen this film. How are you setting this up? Are you? I mean, are we spoiling? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're spoiling yeah, the fuck out of it. Um, but this is a film about basically Colin Farrell, Private Boz, Double Z, yeah. um, who is who's been drafted into uh, the intake to go out for Vietnam. And he is trying like hell to get out of the army. And on his way, he seems to get everybody else out of the army but him. And he, yeah, so he then he teams up with somebody who's actually enlisted. And it becomes, even though it's self-referential, it becomes almost like an army buddy movie. Mm -hmm. um, shot in a sort of a documentary style. Yeah. I think that yeah. kind of stuff. And also it's, yeah. it sits there as... A, couple of categories of war film like one of them there's normally they're normally films of two halves you've got films that it starts off with the training and then you're in war full metal jacket so yeah. full metal jacket would be a prime example or you get films that are already at war um so private ryan, private ryan platoon mm. stuff like that yeah. this oh this never gets to the war this yeah. film is only I found about it really because as much as i thought the trailer was shit it because of all the training that happens in this it's easy to watch the trailer and think that's Vietnam and that's what and I thought okay the trailer was a bit wank but mm. it fooled me enough when I suddenly realized I thought shit they're never going to get to Vietnam here are they it's going to finish with him going off to Vietnam and it did and I was like okay well that's that's a nice little way to set it up then because yeah did you expect that to happen in the film in the narrative then for them to at, at one oh, point oh I, I, I like totally believed act. I thought it'd start in Vietnam yeah, oh right okay because Tigerland being you know the uh, yeah 
the place. Um, but yeah, it's all about the training. It's all about the build-up. So. And at what point during watching the film did you realise that actually that wasn't going to happen and it would just when we got in, in probably when we got to the third act where um, the crazy soldier guy yeah. is being um, is 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 on the 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 other side as it were. Yeah. So it's 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 the training of the platoons versus the platoons and. The, First, yeah. I thought, oh shit, okay, so they're never going to get to Vietnam. Was that disappointing then? No, yeah. no, I really liked it. I, re I really liked it because it's the whole, it can, it just, you know, this whole idea of fear and degradation. You don't have to be in a war setting to do it. It can be, it can be training. And the idea of humans, dis <laughs> despicable human beings who will, who will want to just kill and murder and maim doesn't matter who they're just tapped as fuck and you know here's war on your own back door against your own men kind of thing one of the things like we don't have conscription anymore in in either the british army or the american army these characters they're plucked out of their normal lives when they should be finding out who they are and thrust into this situation and forced to almost create new identities for themselves uh, which i think is is extremely interesting to see and also boz's refusal to play the game, no matter how much it gets him in trouble. And he has wonderful moments where he shows the ridiculousness of the situation to people. Like there's a scene with Michael Shannon where Michael, Michael Shannon, Shannon, who's that was um, a surprise. I love that. He was explaining, he's just given, they're in one of the lessons and he shows them a way how they can rig the radio to electrocute people. Um, he uses a form of interrogation. To use a form of interrogation. Spark plugs. Yeah, and he's just bothers like he goes, why? He's like, well, why what? And he goes, why would I want to do that to another human being? Just flat out, why would you want to hurt people? What's the point yeah. in all of this? The interesting thing about Tigerland for me, like, first of all, I didn't realise that the um, I thought it was a filter. Did you I thought it was a heavy filter? First of all, did you think you were actually going to enjoy it? Mm, from that trailer? Not from the trailer, no. It was an awful trailer. But anyway. So, I, but I went in with an open mind, right? And um, which is you should do as much as you can with all films. What I liked about it was that it was kind of, it was really self-referential. You know, there's a couple of points in the film when uh, Colin Farrell's character kind of says almost to the uh, camera, this is the scene where I get beaten up now, isn't it? You know, this is the scene where the, the new recruit gets done over or something like that. There's two points in the film where it, it refers to itself effectively as a film about Vietnam. But there's something there's something else as well. It it feels like, despite the uh, the film stock, it feels like a modern film. It feels like it was made in like 2000. It doesn't feel like a vintage like Nam movie. They haven't really tried to date it too explicitly, other than the film stock. And I think that's on purpose. And, and I think that also goes into the casting of Colin Farrell, who looks fresh out of the year 2000. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I think, again, that's on purpose. And I think Schumacher is, is saying that this is highly allegorical and it shouldn't be taken at face value. And I've got Colin Farrell here and the film ref refers to itself as a film twice during the narrative as it, just, to, just to help the, um, the viewers understand that, look, don't take this too seriously, but, but, but understand the point I'm trying to make. I thought it was really interesting. It's, it, it's, it's, clear, it's shot like a modern film, you know, handheld and stuff like that. It's aware that it's a modern film and it's in a modern text, not trying to fool anybody at all. What do you think? 
it doesn't start with you know the greatest classic of that era playing over the radio and you know yeah. that that yes. it doesn't make any effort to do that type of stuff exactly it 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 barely makes the effort to put you in the seventies doesn't it it makes it, no effort yeah, at all that's what I mean okay you know I think it, I think it's it, it's on purpose and um, I don't think Schumacher is um, too bothered about making you believe that this is a period piece I think he just wants you to um, understand the allegory and not the allegory because it's not really allegorical is it understand the point he's trying to make I'd agree with all of that when you're talking about like the way it's shot and stuff Will you saying you wouldn't weren't that keen on it no but it, it it didn't affect me so badly that I I thought oh I cannot watch this it was just, no but what was your what was it that was there was just I, I just wouldn't have minded occasional moments of stillness again coming back to the moon guy he had mm. and that was it was really lovely and he, he, he you know he was he was set up as some kind of bumpkin you know and they're all but then he comes up with such power and truth but all I can notice is how the fucking thing's bobbing around I'm like I just I mean and it would have gone totally against the style that we're going for here but I just would have liked just moments of just pause and that could have said Mm. each guy who was about to go must have had these moments of terrifying clarity where it's like fuck and I think I could have done with a little bit more stillness throughout it but I don't think he could have given me those moments without it being even more jarring. You having just said that, I think a moment of stillness would have been punctuated because it would be, it would feel so different. Uh, and the camera, in those moments, to be fair, the camera is probably the most still it is throughout the entire film. But no, I get, I, I could agree with that. I get your point. Uh, this is a film of monologues as well. And the you... cast is strong as well, you know, th- throughout it. And so it's, it's performed wonderfully. I mean, there's quite a few, I was ticking off some a load of guys in it who have made a career out of playing dickheads you know there's loads of it's like oh he yeah. played he played that dickhead in fucking dickhead and dickhead yeah, you know? yeah so, so private wilson you're kind of thinking of yeah. he's great like i've seen him he's cropped up i mean he's in broadwalk empire uh, he's in agent carter he's mm-hmm. in the killing room which i, I really yeah, like yeah. um and yeah but he has made a career out of playing assholes um, who else is there? Was the around? sergeant who beats yeah. the sh- living shit out of the bunk? I've guy. never seen him in anything else. Uh, I saw him. And sorry to bring this back to Star Trek again, but he was in an, uh, an episode of Deep Space Nine, where the Ferengis go back to Roswell, what? and he's what? he's a dickhead I've never guy seen in that, that episode. Have you not seen that episode? No. it's classic. It's called Little Green Men. Oh, it's fuck! I'm beautiful. going back to Netflix as soon as yeah, I can. Let's watch it tonight when we get back. <laughs> No, let's not. I've got to go to bed. <laughs> I love like the way this is actually shot for me is is one of the things I love about it so much um, because you, I almost get the feeling like Joel Schumacher gave everybody little pockets of like you, when you're just talking about like um, like background artists and stuff like that. I think everyone has either given that they've been given a situation or they've little pockets have been given stuff to do and to say and the camera just moves along and you pick up these little details i think they're things that you if you miss them tough shit and i kind of i like that about it like there's um there's a bit after uh after boz has just been jumped and there's quite a vicious fight as well the fight choreography in this is is really powerful it's very i've never seen anything quite as scrappy before mm. and the way the camera's moving like you miss the odd blow like it'll happen out of frame and it's wicked because for me you, you hear that wet sort of and your mind completes like the image and you mm. sort of i imagine it being 
in my head it's far more vicious than perhaps what I would have seen on camera. Um, but there's a bit just after that where one of the soldiers walks past Boz and whispers fucking commie bastard in his ear and the camera barely catches it and it's almost inaudible and you just think that's, I don't know, it's just a really nice little little bit just adding to the whole kind of documentary style of the thing which again isn't overly pushed. I, I, I totally didn't, didn't see it, the handheld camera. I, to- it, I totally switched off and just and didn't didn't notice it after about like five minutes. It, it really it wasn't a problem for me. What resonated for me were like Boz's like Colin Farrell's character, a similar role to um, Jack Nicholas Jack Nicholson's. In uh, why do I always get Wolf fucking Jack Nicholas and Jack Nicholson the golfer <laughs> mixed up in my fucking idiot head? Well, Jack Nicholas is a golfer, isn't it? Shit. <laughs> so so uh, one flew over the cookies yeah. list, right? And also Paul Newman's character in Cool, cool Hand Luke. Okay. So both kind of fish out of water characters in their environments, like prison and a mental asylum, and both the really the the protagonists in the story, and their kind of blasé attitude to their surroundings, which are very serious, and how the shift happens from them being quite, you know, fuck this, nothing matters, I can do whatever I want, there's no consequences, uh, and then realizing that actually they're in they're in way too deep. And Colin Farrell's character acting as a kind of martyr, like letting other people go and sacrificing himself so that he, he has to stay in the war. And then, you know, at the end of the film, he goes off to Vietnam, even though they have a kind of like what what feels like. I a, hope I see my friend Andy Dufresne again. Yeah, exactly. It feels like a proper like test screen rejected <laughs> like like moment where they had to add in a fucking yeah my only issue with this film is the voiceover it's one line at the beginning and like three lines at the end that are totally totally unnecessary i I didn't even notice at the beginning i thought it was just at the end and i was like what a voiceover there's one line at the beginning but it's that's it yeah and it's just like this isn't needed at all like it would have been so much more powerful to just see colin farrell waving like Oh, in fact, he's not even waving, is he? He's throwing the pages of yeah, fucking Paxton's yeah. diary that he's just torn out. Mm. His whole reason for being in the army just ruined. The, the, the only thing that makes, over, makes up for that terrible voiceover is the Predator-style roll call at the end. Yes. How good is that? You can't beat it. <laughs> yeah. No one caught a gun, though. That's what I really yeah. was disappointed about. No yeah. one caught a gun. <laughs> <laughs> so overall, you guys aren't hating me for, for recommending No, I, I, I enjoyed it. I... I, uh, I Again, I came into it with absolutely no idea. And I was kind of like, oh, let's see, Joel Schumacher and that fucking trailer was awful, but let's see. This is a good point because this is a film where Joel Schumacher basically said, look, I know what you're expecting from me. I know the kind of film that you're expecting me to make, um, but I'm going to uh, throw a curveball and I'm going to make this like a low-budget um, you know, period piece about Vietnam. No one could have seen that coming at the time. Like Batman and Robin, Batman Forever. What else was he doing like around then before? It's like, yeah, because everyone thinks about Joel Schumacher and immediately, you know, you're, he's tarred by Batman and Robin. And then you forget that, oh, this is the guy that did the Lost Boys and St. Elmo's Fire and yeah, Flatliners. Yeah, yeah. And falling, Flatliners is great. Falling down, Flatliners. like the client. He did all the, um, all the John Grisham novels when, you know, when he was big. So it's like the client, A Time to Kill. And then he yeah. comes out with like Phone Booth and Tigerland. He's done House of Cards since then as well. So he's one of these people that he do, Batman and Robin was just a big, big, big poo. Lost Boys, no one films a topless saxophone player better than Joel Schumacher. <laughs> it's one of the yeah, worst. Yeah, well, maybe I'm obviously unfairly 
tarring Joel there. You've so. seen Phone Booth though as well, have, Joel. Yeah, Again, yeah. another Farrell yeah, like, yeah, collaboration. Yeah. But I mean, you know, that's. What do you think about Farrell in this film? I think he's great. Yeah. I think he's absolutely I think he's great. watchable. I think his accent's flawless as well. Yeah. Well, Irish and into American is quite. You could even get away with fucking up a bit and it's still fine. Because yeah. I heard. I did hear the Irish coming through a tiny bit, but I'm wondering if that's because, you know, American and Irish can and has historically. It is you an know, easy, yeah. it's an easy uh, job. Scottish as well as an accent rolls really well into into American yeah. too. So it's, yeah, you're right. That kind of like. You know, I think I quite like Colin Farrell. I've, I've seen plenty of stuff that of him that I like. You know, it's this Total Recall. Did you watch oh, Total Recall? It's terrible. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. so yeah. bad. Was it? So bad. Minority Report. I really enjoyed. Yeah, it. Was he was that. great in that because he's good. he's set up to be an absolute dick, mm. and he is. But you realise he's one of these characters where it's like, all right, they're an arsehole, but they're actually good at their job. Mm. But I, th- I think he's, I think he's quite a watchable actor. Oh actor. no, I like it. I got no problems with it. Yeah. Actually, seen as sleazy. That's it. His actual because they were on about like Bond and stuff like that in the past, um, and he's seen as too sleazy. Didn't he just like? Didn't it all go to his head quite quickly though? And he started to like pretend to be a bit rock and roll or like a God sort knows. of like Hellraiser God type knows. thing. Talk about rock and roll. Yes. Should we probably move on? Yeah, I think to we've escaped um, from we've New York. Sucked, we've sucked Tigerland's dick enough. The most rock and roll film of all time. The most rock and roll trousers of all time. Oh, oh mate, what about that muscle vest with two zips? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, I thought for this, I would um, just read off some of the notes I made. I was going to actually live tweet you as I was watching the film, but instead I thought I'd just read off some of the notes that I've got. Oh, I miss matte paintings. Matte paintings. Matte they were good. They were good. Weird, creepy, laughing dude. So in the yeah, 80s, you've uh, got to have one. What's his, what's his name? Uh, Frank Doubleday, and he was having a hell of a time playing Romeo. <laughs> I was just got here. Even for the 80s, Snake's gun is ridiculous. <laughs> it looks like an Ingram, which is basically a machine pistol with a silencer and a scope mounted to the front. Front heavy as fuck. <laughs> well, wasn't this a relatively low budget film? For the yes, it was. It was. Like eight, was it like eight, eight mil or seven fu- mil? It was five million dollars. Mm. Right. Which according to my calculations, is about $15 million. Okay, that was based on nothing at all. I've got, I love that he openly walks around with his weapons brandished because who would notice another armed person? Oh, wait, Ernest Borgnine just recognised him. Jesus, was that guy ever young? And he randomly... I so. <laughs> Airwolf. <laughs> no, but even in Airwolf, he had grey hair. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he just randomly knows Snake. He's like... Okay. Because yeah, he's, he's a he's a big time criminal snake. snake well, you snake. start realizing that as everybody notices him as they go around. Yeah. Uh, I'm 30 minutes in and literally nothing has happened. Well, you got to see Lee Van Cleef fucking limp around, didn't you? Yeah, For Lee his Van one Cleef. day of shooting. Yeah. <laughs> I did milk that, didn't he? Yeah. I did genuinely love uh, how the first signs of life that you actually see is this weird vaudevillian theatre show where everybody's bored as fuck, but they're just trying to entertain each other because what else are you going to do? Well, again, it harks back to that whole kind of Colditz-esque men in drag doing a you know a revenue return. Everyone just sits around and as life in prison plays out. I, no, I did actually get onto that. I thought it was cool. I also liked how Demolition Man clearly ripped off the idea of the sewer dwellers. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they didn't get, you know, any explanation or anything like that or the society because it wasn't that fun. One, but wasn't one Taco Bell to be seen. 
Crazy. It wasn't, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's fucking Demolition Man stole that blatantly. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it, in case you didn't, in case you can't tell. Did you not enjoy it? Not Not even slightly. I was like, they were hardened criminals. Why is everyone so nice? And camp. <laughs> there's, there's a, I have a, I did have a lot of problems with people restraining each other. Yeah. I was like, that's the worst restraining I've ever seen. Yeah. Detroit in 1985 is scarier than New York 1997. <laughs> like if you look at Robocop, that place is fucking terrifying. <laughs> I would rather be sent to the prison in New York in 1997 <laughs> than be sentenced to like Detroit in 1985. Gunshot through a cupboard, <laughs> mint. Tiny wall, what? not so mint. What was gunshot through the cupboard? He's running through all the buildings and he throws like a, I think it was either a cupboard or um, <laughs> yeah. a chest of drawers like in front of a door to block it and then shoots through it and you just hear it, yes. which I thought was wicked. Yes. You like that? But yeah, yeah, I actually genuinely yeah, yeah. thought it was cool. And then he right. turned and machine gunned the most paper thin wall yeah, I've ever seen. When, when in cinema did machine gunning through walls and jumping through them sort of phase out? Because it was definitely like Robocop. There was definitely some, like, what? That was an amazing movie. Didn't they do it in The Matrix? Oh, shit, they might have done it in The they Matrix. They did the floor. They definitely did it in Long Kiss Goodnight. Yes, they did the floor. Did the floor. The yes, you're right. And um, so it's not, it's not going to, but that was the thinnest that's the thinnest wall I've ever seen. Yeah, it jumps through it. They make a big thing about the tracker breaking. And I'm like, but we've already seen that the tracker's on the guy who's not the president who was slumped over a sink. He was one of the finest performers in it. He was great. That was a little bit like the Dark Knight where he's like, he said he'd take him out and replace him. So Borg, <laughs> Borgnine's cab with Molotov cocktails, that's just fucking genius. That's great. That is, it's got uh, a little flap in the roof, hasn't it? Because he keeps fending them off. Yeah, it's so like, his little flap. Is, like, Snake's obviously a celebrity guy at this point because people love saying his name. Yeah. And was, is it like, Snake, Snake, Snake! <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did that come from this? I found the president. Goodbye, Mr. Burton. There's like yes, a fucking, the another movie. fucking the knife movie. throw. <laughs> Anticlimactic end of all time. Like Good knife. Goodbye, Mr. Bedden. Fucking ridiculous. What, what about the Duke's chandelier pimpermobile? Oh, come on. Oh. Chandelier pimpermobile. <laughs> you get. Uh, what about wrestling Zangief <laughs> from Street Fighter 2? Yeah, it's And then, I mean, you, the bin lids and then the spikes to the back of the head. That was just, pretty cool. That's fucking brutal. Um, yeah. You shit your pants. Um, the glider's gone. Steam-powered machine gun. Steam-powered. The Duke fires up like a steam-powered machine gun, and then you never get to see him fire a shot. Is what? Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Well. Well, he definitely shot something that contained a lot of steam in order to get away. So I, I don't know he if just that hit was like a canister. Of steam. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's hate. a steam. They make a point. They mention that they're running on steam power uh, and stuff right, like that yeah, at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, 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 um, so. The most dysfunctional family outing in a cab. Mm. Um, there's a bit where Kurt... I wondered if Kurt Russell's acting or if he really needs a poo. I think that's why he's staggering around towards the end. Mate, Kurt Russell is classic. Um, I would like to see... Um, the thing, yeah. No, no, no. I would like. I would genuinely like to see Escape from L.A., no. No, no, he wrote it and directed. Kurt, Kurt decided he loves Slicks so much that he wrote and directed 
Did he? Yeah. Oh, damn it. Okay, well, that's destroyed it then. Because the reason I wanted to see it, because I like the idea of how that concept would evolve over 20 years. When, and John Carpenter would come back to the same kind of action movie, an action movie in the 80s versus action movie in the 90s. But if it's Kurt Russell... I'm pretty sure Kurt wrote it. And no, directed. no, Carpenter directed it. Did he? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that he had only one IMDb directing credit, did Kurt Russell. Yeah, he might have, he might have directed a couple of scenes. Ah, right, okay. But, um, that, but the thing about Escape from LA, like, isn't it... Because it was, what is it, 97? 96, 96. Yeah. So it's yeah. 16 years after they filmed Escape from New York. But it's it's set in something like 2000. Instead of 97. What's it supposed to be it's like three, three years? years. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard paper. real time and fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so overall, yeah, I'm, I, I am pleased I've watched it because it's something I kind of always wondered about, but not enough well, to... Well, it's one of those cult classics where people just... Yeah, it's be, get, that's the only reason I saw it like 50p on VHS once <laughs> in a charity shop and went I've heard a lot about this let's give it a look and when I first watched it I remember thinking yeah this is really exciting and fun but again I might have been slightly altered you said altered. VHS so how old were you or how altered were you oh university just after university really I, did, I don't think I watched it until like 2005 maybe oh mate oh so. I was really starting to like you <laughs> that's a joy um but yeah, I had some pacing issues watching it sober and older again. I was like, come on, get on with it. Get on with it. But I mean, I really liked the look of it. I quite enjoyed. And then when I found out that it was relatively low budget, I was looking at all the kind of the fun and interesting kind of shoestring budget shit they had to do. Mate, this is definitely a Dean Cundy joint. This is a Dean Cundy joint. I don't understand any of those words. Dean Cundy. Stop saying it again just louder. That's <laughs> not... fucking like the, the cinematographer. Right. Dean Cuddy, like all of like Jurassic Park, all of Back to Future films, like Spielberg's fucking go-to guy, and John Carpenter's. I do have a positive note actually about some of the camera movement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Said that um, there were just one or two really nice tracking shots that um, yeah. are the kind of very definition of a closed frame. So if you don't know what the difference between an open and closed frame is, uh, a closed frame would be say we've got the desk here and we've got like a all we focus in on uh, is the cup on the table so we don't know who the cup belongs to we don't know what it's on we don't know where it is uh, and as the camera moves it will slowly reveal like other details so it could pan across over the water and then it would pan up to your face so we know you're in the room as well <laughs> whereas an open frame would be something like a wide shot so you've got all the information there at once and there's a couple of examples of or really nice examples of um of closed frames where it starts it follows like a dude um walking across I was going to say the car park, but like the assembly area. So you can see that it's a military complex. It looks like a military complex or a police compound, but we're not quite sure where it is. And then it follows him into a guard booth. And you're like, okay, so we, there's obviously, you know, it's high security. And then um, unfortunately it hands off to the sign written right next to it, yeah. which says categorically <laughs> where that. they are. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it is the 80s. But I was just watching thing, you know, this shot's developing in a really interesting way and stuff like that and not yeah. giving away all the information at once. So it was keeping me interest, interested despite how fucking... It is a slow pace. You can shoot a movie though, can't you, Carpenter? Yeah, 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 totally. You can, you can film a movie, man. Well, what were you saying? Can't remember. Life of me. The it's about costume, maybe? I shit. Oh, sorry. Go on then. No, go, go. your point. Go, go on, what, what? Can't remember, carry on, carry on. The, like, you mentioned the tone, Will. 
it has this sort of very slow like pace to it doesn't it it's quite and the music again kind of tiptoes along like in, in a lot of the early scenes mm-hmm. but that but Carpenter doing his own music is hilarious. I love it <laughs> I love Carpenter just doing that fuck it get out get out I'm doing it yeah it, <laughs> little keyboard <laughs> now for, for the thing it works with this really sparse just that boom 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 but yeah, nothing dates a film like 80s music. South Park ripped it recently, like either last episode or the episode before. It was doing a Stranger Things ripoff. Mm. And they're walking through the woods listening to some cool 80s music, but they're listening to actual 80s music, <laughs> not the kind of reimagined stuff yeah, yeah, that's yeah. being created at yeah, the moment. Yeah, and they're, like, so they're, they're playing all sorts of stuff like, what? This is awful. Pick another track. <laughs> well, this 80s. And they're like picking something like even worse. It was genius. What else do you think of the film, Will? I did like at the beginning the almost Monty Python-esque USA commies unite to crash the... Uh, yeah. to crash. It's like, we still fear communism, communism. Because again, early 80s, yeah. we are we are ramping up big time here, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so we have that little little dig in there. You know, you see where it's going. You see what happens when you let your fucking commies in. Yeah. So you get this. Yeah. You get this. I always wanted to go to New York, but not anymore. Because it's a big fucking commie prison. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, th- I think it's just likable naffness. It is a bit naff, but there's something quite, I don't know, quaint about it, you know? And just, again, maybe at the time people would were, were seeing this as some kind of wonderful sci-fi dystopian well, future. I, I, you know. I think at the time people were like fucked off in America about like... Commies. Mainly commies, partly the president. And so it's a climate, like, like I said, last week... The climate is quite similar to like it looks like a dystopia. It looks like the US right now could, yeah. could easily devolve into like it's kind of the same and make the same kind of films, you know, and uh, as a kind of protest against the fucking current president and all that sort of stuff. I mean, this could easily be rehashed into it know, is. Rod- Rodriguez yeah. is doing it. Oh, is he? Mate, oh, there we go. Rodriguez is redoing Escape from New York. Is he? Yes, mate. I'd watch the shit out of that. Yeah. Well, Will, I was going to say, did you like the like nine? What late eighties computer game style opening? Well, it's the it's the, it's nineteen eighty. What is this? Nineteen eighty one. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the computer game. Oh, yeah. Like basically, do you remember like Final Fight on the arcade? Yeah, yeah. Right. That's the same opening as Escape from New York. Is like, it? It's thirty really? seconds when it flashes up saying a, a map of New York, and then it's like, yeah, whatever. Let's start the film. That's <laughs> as much. That's it. Cares that little about yeah. like setting up this film. <laughs> let's just get there. Let's <laughs> like, get put in. Your money in. Yeah. No. Again, I, I, I liked. The effects because again they were they harked back to a simpler time when i would stick something on as a kid and go these effects are amazing <laughs> these effects are amazing like it's just the little look the, at the line the tracker which you know is yeah. like 12 <laughs> lights yeah. you know uh, but again it's, it's little tiny things like that it felt very night rider-ish some of the technology yes, did, just yeah. here's a big bank of flashing yellow buttons I read, I believe I read that in the uh, glider that he landed on the World Trade Center in, mm. um, do you know the kind of the heads up display that they had? Yeah. Yeah. That was actually like it, genius um, guys making it with literally just wires and lights. No. Yeah, yeah, because no they, just, they just couldn't, they, they couldn't afford to do the... I did the, wonder uh, yeah. about I, that. I, I see it in a whole new world now. I want to go back and watch it again. When it says down view on it, when it's looking down, well, it, well, it, well, it says, well, it says it's, it's down kind of view. It's like on the dashboard of his like glider kind yeah, of thing yeah. so, no so, that must no come on that's got to be computer generated I don't believe so I think, I think they, what they, so they yeah. little wires I believe so no Will read it read up on it read it, read it. Read it. allegedly 
allegedly. <laughs> the but I, I was reading a lot on it, and they seem to do a lot of kind of ingenious things that they had to do just because they couldn't afford to do all sorts of stuff. So yeah. there's lots of nice little twists where I think, oh, well, I like that because it. I suppose now in the modern world that movies we just have CGI fucking everything, but I suppose in 1981 you kind of have to just be quite inventive don't you yeah, like, yeah there was a certain point because i used to watch like when dvd came out and you had the option for making ofs yeah oh, God, it just absorbed every single one and you'd be fascinated learning how they or people like me were fascinated learning how they did stuff and there came a moment i'm not quite sure when it is where it was always like i wonder how they did that in the computer and that just became the answer for almost everything. I mean, now it's starting to come full circle because they've realized the best way to do stuff is with a combination of practical and computer-generated stuff. If you've seen any of the Game of Thrones making ofs, they're like a perfect blend of, of both. Okay. If I'd known that, I now want to go back and watch those scenes just to see like those effects. Because I, I was looking at it thinking, they couldn't have used computers to actually do these effects. Or if they could, this must have been expensive at the time what you mean the literal computer effects yeah they went yeah literally the the graphic the the gooey yeah they were they were computers so here you go this is this is all about model making okay basically so the wireframe computer graphics on the display screen the glider were not computer generated no as computers capable of 3d wireframing imaging were too expensive when the film was made oh shit to generate to generate the wireframe images special effects designers built a model of the city painted it black Attach bright white tape to the model buildings oh, in an orderly grid genius. and move is, the camera through the model that city. That is class. Absolute that is genius. I love that's that. Seeing in a whole new light. That's like, and, and that sums up the film. Like, it's 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 not quite like art from adversity, is it? Because you know, we still had five million dollars to spend on it, yeah. but he had to be very had to spend it well. And it looks, I think, I mean, fucking hell, clearly that budget went on that plane crash. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently they just, they just sent a load of guys to the local tip in, uh, where did they film it? Something like Milwaukee or something random Louisiana. like that. Louisiana. Yeah, Louisiana, that's it. And they just went to the tip and just got just a fuckload of shit and yeah. just dressed the set. And, but it, it doesn't yeah. feel, well, for me, it didn't feel like they were just shooting like the same street corner mm. over and over again. No, it doesn't. It did no. feel a lot bigger than like just a movie set. It did feel like, well, maybe with the matte paintings as well. I think it was a, it was a genius use of that use of that budget. Yeah, I'll be fair. Actually, I hadn't thought about it in terms of scale, and yeah, I, it does feel like it's a huge sprawling city. Yeah, I never does. I never got the feeling of, of repetition at all from it. So I mean, maybe I need to give it a lot more credit than. Well, I don't know. You can still you can still not enjoy it, but admire its ingenuity. I can city, now. Yeah. So. yeah. It, it, there's a sparsity of sound effects as well. Like, does you know like. <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of silence and it's like um, do you remember that fucking um, Steven Spielberg movie maker game the yeah, director's chair the director's chair yeah, totally do you, do you ever, do you ever no, play that like no, it was no. on a PC like in the mid 90s and it was like can you remember who was in it yes fucking Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Aniston Quentin Tarantino, Tarantino Penn and Teller yeah it was so it was a game where you like you make your own film from a load of film clips and you're given like a budget and you always fucking spank all your budget on like rain effects so that come like by the time you got to show your little film to the critics like n there's no door sounds or footsteps that was like this film <laughs> do you remember that it was like do you know what I mean like where are all the sound effects there's four people running and it's kind of like like a couple of little clip clops yeah it's but a it really great. quiet mass it prison is. isn't it yeah it is <laughs> where is everybody there, that was my no that was my, my biggest nice. bugbear is why the hell was everybody so nice 
that he ran into yeah. or did everybody know him and then after a while I was like okay he's obviously some form of military celebrity yeah but he just didn't he commit just like one crime and he's just known for that one because he was like a crime. army dude wasn't he, he big army he was. yeah, yeah. guy with terrible depth perception now how yeah, is he how is he, exactly, how is he yeah, evil <laughs> apparently Kurt Russell's idea you know okay well, let's, let's give him an eye patch but then it really apparently it really did fuck up Kurt because he had to take it off between takes because it was actually messing with yeah. his position but like, yeah I think it'd be really hard for Snake to do a lot of what he was doing with only one eye I know the body you know compensates compensates yeah. but Christ he had to do a lot with one eye <laughs> <laughs> didn't he like, yeah. land a glider on the World Trade Centre <laughs> beat a guy three times his size <laughs> Like a fat Ming the Merciless. <laughs> do, you, do you still want to rock the eye patch idea like you were talking about, Tristan? You were you were wanting your own eye patch last time you texted us when you were oh, watching it. it's like, yeah, I want my own eye patch. No, but it would mean you having to lose an eye, though. Yeah, do we have to go, like, proper... Well, you'd have to, because you don't want to be that guy who's wearing an, an eye patch, patch. Oh, yeah, and comes would... across the guy with one eye. Oh, He'll yeah. just fucking stick out both your eyes while... Just crying out yeah, when no, I'm man is king. I did actually call you bitch and I want my own eye patch. Following around, you can be his fuck all doll. <laughs> can we talk about Lee Van Cleef's massive phone? <laughs> <laughs> Why was it so big? <laughs> it's the future, man. It's the size yeah. of a small child. Everything in the future will be huge. What about his big thick glasses? <laughs> they were so big as well. Everything Lee Van Cleef has in this film is just like like giant. <laughs> What, what did I have written down about this? Um, okay, so in terms of influences, because this is it's a cult film. Um, William Gibson's Neuromancer, uh, Hideo Kojima. Which I really want to read, actually. Yeah, I really yeah. want to read that. So he's influenced like like a prominent science fiction author, William Gibson, um, Hideo Kojima, like Metal Gear Solid. Oh yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. Solid Snake ah. is a reference to Snake Plissken. Okay. And apparently, in the second, uh, in the second Metal Gear, he uses the alias as Plissken for like majority of the uh, uh, okay. game as well. Right. Uh, Cloverfield. Yeah. So the poster for Escape from New York with the Statue of Liberty's head in the streets mm-hmm. and Kurt Russell's uh, muscle vest running away from it, mm-hmm. like obviously referenced in Cloverfield when the head comes crashing through the streets. So yeah, man, it's, it's resonated as a film like in popular culture. John Carpenter as well was a you know fantastic director. I knew the snake, snake, snake. I think Escape New York is a classic film, mate. I don't disagree. I think it is a classic. The thing is, <laughs> it's, it's not as much fun to watch as it is to talk about it afterwards, <laughs> and that's that's like a mark of all good cult films. I think it's one of those. You, just give it a look to say you've seen it, and some people will love it, some people will hate it. But yeah. again, it's it's a cult classic for a reason, you know. So just. Give it a look. And it is. It's likeable naffness, in my opinion. But I suppose once you know about the budget constraints they have, then it's kind of fun to, to have a look at what they what they did and how you make it work. So so what do we enjoy most then? Escape from New York or Tigerland? Will? If I'm honest, Tigerland. But I'd already seen Escape from New York. So I was surprised by Tigerland, yeah. whereas Escape from New York only surprised me once I started reading into it. And which one will you, talk, will you tell your kids about in years to come? You're going to be Escape. New York. Yeah, probably escape. <laughs> New York. It's an escape that from New York, LA, question. double sitting, children. <laughs> Let's do this. Try what about you? Um, I actually, I want to go back and watch Escape from New York again now, yes. knowing about the budget constraints. I'll read up a little bit more on it. I wouldn't be surprised if you found like a YouTube 
clip of somebody who's who's smashed things together yeah there must be something so i'll definitely go back and if i not rewatch the whole thing then certainly rewatch scenes um but tigerland as i've said is in my top 10 and has consistently been in and i enjoyed going back and watching it again so that i could refresh my memory to talk to you guys about it yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for sharing this tagline because I, I I actually really enjoyed watching that film. That I would have never watched it if you hadn't. Have. No, I couldn't yeah. completely. You probably never even heard of it. But, but but anyway, the answer is Escape from New York because Rotten Tomatoes scores it higher than Tigerland. <laughs> of course it so does. So does IMDb. Of course it does. <laughs> of course it does. No one's heard of it. Right. Thank you for thank you for just doing all. I'm gonna do it again. Will, thank you very much for coming down for a second week. That's all right. Do I have he to come down really, next week? Really. Come down next week. Shit the bed, right? Okay. No, but the, your point when I when I invited you to come on, like originally we like we could do a Skype or stuff like that, and you were like, "Well, my firstborn's about to arrive, and I really better come down and see you because I probably won't see you for another eighteen yeah. years." Yeah. Is that true, Will? That's true. Yeah. Fucking hell, mate. I'm calling it Snake. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's why I stopped when you went to pick up your phone. I was like, oh my God, is it now? Is no, it now? Because like, she that. could drop at any minute. Oh, no fuck the baby coming. I wanted to find out about the constraints of fucking, uh, you know, special effects. Yes. Will, yes, tell, us, tell us again. Remind us about the film that you want Try and I to watch. Uh, and it's called Strange week. Brew. Now, I don't know where you'll find it from. I bet it's not even available to rent. Right. So I might have a completely legal copy, which I had to get my hands on. Yeah. Because the only copy I have is an American tape that I ordered from the States and I no longer have a, um, a VCR player that can play region whatever. Yeah, yeah that's be. the one. So it's it's a tough one to get a hold of. We'll, but, we'll try. We'll try to yeah. find it. Yeah. Yeah. But I can send you. I can send you. I can send you what I have, and nice. it works. So. Will, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you so much. If you like pressing subscribe buttons on things, just press subscribe and listen to us next week. Uh, Like us on Facebook, say hello to us on Twitter, and we will see you next week.